Again, good morning. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm grateful that you're here with us to worship today. The scripture reading is from uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Hear the word of the Lord. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So yeah, we had VBS here last week. It was amazing. Um, there were folks who spent months getting ready for VBS. And then last week we had the students from our student ministry. And we had parents. We had volunteers and workers and staff. Everybody shows up for VBS. And it was amazing. By Friday, I think kids were out of here by noon, I guess. And then by 1.30, this place was completely cleaned up. So like from start to finish, like VBS went really well. And every day during VBS in this room, kids were dancing around, singing um, that marvelous, marvelous, marvelous thing song that you heard this morning. They were singing that. Most of us who were here last week are singing it at night before we go to sleep at this point. Uh, we're singing it a lot. Um, but then Kyle would spend some time with the kids and talk to them about different things, about who Jesus is and who God is. Because our desire is for everybody who enters this building at any point, who steps on the grounds of Grace Presbyterian Church, that they know the reality that God loves them, that Jesus loves them. Like that, that is our primary goal, is that people to understand the depths of who he is and just the mystery and the marvelous nature and the wonder of who Christ is and that he approaches us and he welcomes us. And so Kyle's teaching these kiddos and, you know, talking about impossible things. And so, of course, they talk about Jesus walking on water and Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water toward Jesus, which all sounds impossible. And as they're, like, talking about this, thinking about it, a little girl raises her hand, and Pastor Kyle calls on her and says, yes. And she goes, you know what's not possible? And he goes, what's that? And she goes, it's not possible for God to let go of his people. And that's just such a beautiful thing for us to really live into. It's God loves us so much. It's not possible because of his love for us, for him to let go of us. And yet, um, as those who confess Christ, who believe in him, we know that we're not perfect. Like we haven't arrived. We're, we're not everything we know we should be. Like you'll notice every week at Grace, we confess our sins in worship. We do that because we've actually sinned that week or th that morning or just a moment. Like we're in constant need of forgiveness. God rushes to offer us grace and welcomes us. But from the text this morning, Paul kind of talks about this in two ways. He talks about the certainty of, of what it means to be in Christ Jesus, but also that he's on this journey. He's on this path, that he's actually growing. And it's like our children. They don't stay one years old forever. Those of you who have a bunch of children under the age of five, you'll be grateful to know that diapers aren't forever. Like, there's life as people grow and they make their way forward. They, come, they become adults. Well, there's something about our spiritual journey of maturing that's real, that we're supposed to strive for, that we're supposed to live into. This being a person who's a mature and equipped disciple of Christ. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? What's that journey all about? So, this morning, as we look at this text, I want to start with asking the simple question about what does it mean to arrive? 
Like if you're on a plane, you're watching the GPS, if it has like a screen for you, like I'm going to arrive at this time. Like what does it really mean to arrive spiritually? Paul here says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So Paul here, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, who's this apostle, who's teaching the church through these letters that we now have as a canon of Scripture, what it means to know Christ, he's saying, I have not totally arrived, even for me. You know, he's, he's saying, look, I'm not actually the expert. I don't know everything. Now, depending on what kind of field you're in, if you've been doing it for a while, maybe you're an expert at that. Uh, uh, maybe you're, you're not an expert at anything. Well, we'll just say you're an expert on yourself. Like, who knows you better than you, right? Um, e- even an expert will admit they don't know everything about everything. They don't know everything even about their field. Or you look into your own heart, you know? Do you ever do things and you kind of wonder, like, why do I still struggle with fill-in-the-blank? Why, why am I still so easily angered? Like Paul talks in Galatians chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 22, about this fruit of the Spirit, joy, kindness, gentleness, patience, being faithful, love. Why is it that I still struggle with that? Or why do my kids struggle with that? Why does the world struggle with that? Well, we're in process. And um, there's a call here for us to long to see God to do a work in us. And theologians have a technical word for this. It's called sanctification. Um, the, the shorter catechism, which is a series of questions and answers, it asks kind of tough theological questions in a simple form and then gives an answer for us to kind of think about, all based on the Scripture. The catechism asks this question, what is sanctification? Like, what is this process of, of somehow arriving but being in the process of arriving? What's that look like? And the answer is, is that sanctification is a work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and more and more enabled to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. Like we're in process. But do you hear those two distinctions? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace. God does the work where we're renewed. There's already an aspect, if we put our faith in Jesus, where God has said, I've renewed you. You've been born again. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And yet, we're in the process of dying unto sin or dying unto things that are opposed to God, dying unto things that do not lead to thriving and destruction, and living unto righteousness, or following after Him. And that process is a process that God does a work in us. Notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, or verse 9. He says, I'm found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What does it mean to arrive? Well, part of what it means to arrive is to believe. To believe. You know, I heard this story recently about a dad and his son. It's kind of a joke. But the son comes to the dad and he says, Hey, dad, look, I'm about to turn 16. I really, can I, I want to borrow the car. Can I borrow the car? And the dad says, Tell you what, go get your grades up. Okay? Just study your Bible. And let's just throw this in. And when you get a haircut, if you'll do those three things, then you can, you can take the family car. The son comes back a couple weeks later. He's turned 16. He's finally got his driver's license. He goes, Dad, I'd like to revisit this discussion about driving the car. Dad goes, you know what? You brought your grades up. I'm really proud of that. You've studied the Bible. That's really great. Um, I've seen that you've been doing that. But your hair, you didn't get your hair cut. And the son says this. He says, you know, Dad, I've been thinking about that. 
Samson had long hair, Moses had long hair, Noah had long hair, and Jesus had long hair. And the dad says, you know what, you're right. And they all walked. <laughs> right? It's funny. It's funny. But it's also like really sad because this guy wants long hair. And if you look at my sons, I'm okay with long hair. We got long hair in the family. That's fine. Sometimes when you think about arriving and knowing who God is, you think there's got to be a catch. Like there's got to be a catch. There's got to be something at the end of this where I think I know what's happening and in reality I get there and God goes, yeah, but you got to walk, right? This journey of faith, of growing in our knowledge of who God is, of developing as a Christian, of becoming a mature and equipped disciple of Christ, of having the mind of Christ, it happens as we put our trust in the righteousness that God has given us by trusting Jesus. That is arriving. These elements of belief, it's one thing to say, and this is true, you need to believe in the power of God's love for you. You need to believe in the gospel. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead, and God is in the process of renewing you by faith. That's true. But this is the other thing about arriving, is that when you finally believe that God loves you that much, you know what happens next? You begin to discover something. You begin to discover that you are actually worthy to be loved. That your past doesn't define you. Your failures don't define you. Your insufficiencies don't define you. There's something new that defines you. You've arrived in the kingdom of God. You've arrived in this household where you are the focus of God's affection and his love. It's like that quote that I read in the beginning of the worship service in the front of your bulletin from Tony Evans. God will meet you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. And I love that. God will meet you where you are. And then Augustine's quote, so, you know, 1,500 years earlier, 1,600 years earlier, Augustine says this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Do you understand that God loves you? He's proven it with Jesus. You've arrived. So Paul talks about this, and then he moves into this concept of a race in verses 13 and 14. And, you know, the Olympics are not new to the 21st century, right? The Olympics existed all the way back um, in the Greco-Roman times. Um, and so Paul is accessing this kind of analogy of a race and I'm inviting the Christians in Philippi to kind of think about this. So let's, let's think about this Olympic version of a race during that time. They would have run, and they would have pushed ahead. They would have pressed on towards this goal. They would know when the finish line is. And then once they reach the finish line, especially if they win, they would have been raised up. They would have put them on a platform, kind of like we see platforms in the Olympics. They would have put them on a platform. But the person who gets first, the person who wins the race, the person who gets the prize, they get raised up so high that Caesar sees them, and the entire crowd cheers for them and they're celebrated and there's something about that that paul wants to say this is kind of like what it means to follow jesus you've arrived you already belong to him but you're running a race do you know where the finish line is have you, have you forgotten what's behind are you straining ahead what's the finish line well the finish line as paul says here in philippians is to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus arriving and knowing that God loves you in the Son, Jesus, means you have access to all the rights and benefits of a child of God simply because you trust in who Jesus is. He's inviting you into crossing this finish line of having this hope in the power of God's grace for you. We live in a world where there are lots of... I don't have to convince you there's things that are more powerful than you. Just listen to around. There are threats, of course. There's, there's life. I mean, every day goes by. 
But there's something about understanding that God actually has this thing for you. He's pulling you heavenward. That you're not just supposed to be by yourself figuring it out. He's actually leading you toward a prize of knowing that you are His beloved and that He's with you. Races have finish lines. What's your finish line? And then Paul talks about forgetting what's behind. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. What does it mean to forget what's behind? Well, again, think about the analogy of someone who's on a race. If you're in first place and you decide, okay, now that I'm in first place, I want to do kind of a rear view, and I'm going to stare backwards for the rest of the race. It's not going to go well. You're not going to get very far. You're going to get off the path. You're going to lose kind of an idea of where the prize is. You're probably going to trip and stumble. Now, Paul's saying here, in part, that your past mistakes and your struggles and your doubts and your fears, that is no longer what's going to define you. The thing that's happened in the past is no longer going to define you. There's a new thing that's going to define you, and it's the prize for which God is bringing you toward. He's drawing you towards something, which is why Paul talks about straining toward what's ahead. He goes on in verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, what God is offering you is access to peace, to love, access to a church community, to faith, to a people who are seeking to follow after him together. There's all these benefits that God has for you, but the greatest of all of them is to know that not are you just forgiven because of what's happened in the past, but he has a future for you. A God who is watching out for you and drawing you into something that can only be described as a prize. He celebrates you. Now, I remember when my kids were in elementary school, now all my kids are young adults, but when my kids were in elementary school, one of our most treasured days, of course, was field day. And in field day, there was always this track element. And each of my kids ran in this. It was super fun because their mother's really fast. And so they had this, this relay. And one year, Walker was the last runner in this group of guys. And, you know, it was a little bit stacked. He had all these athletes on his team. And um, they start running this race. And sure enough, their team's out in front. It gets closer towards the end. And then it's Walker's turn to get up and run. And Walker takes a baton. And he starts to run with all of his third grade might that he has in his little body. And he trips and he falls and the tears start to stream and he's got a scrape and every mom and who's watching the track and field goes, <gasps> like everybody, all of a sudden he fell. And before Jamie can get to him, he jumps up, he runs and he finishes the race and everybody celebrates, right? I don't even know if they won the race. I don't think they did. I don't know who won the race. But the winning of that experience was what? The journey, pushing towards the finish line, finishing well, being celebrated among people. Like there's a, there's a metaphor here for life. Are you part of a people who are celebrating the reality of God's work in you? Are you part of a people where you're celebrating the work of God in other people? God is inviting us into experiencing and even tasting the good gifts that he has for us. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is going to complete the good work that he has started in you. But there's going to be a journey. There's going to be a constant forgetting what's happened straining towards the goal, remembering the prize. Again, if you just think about how we do our worship service every week, we're doing that. Being called into God's presence, adoring Him for who He is, 
acknowledging where we're weak and confessing our sin, and then receiving words of encouragement, hearing from His Word, and He feeds us and He sends us out. God is inviting you into this race that has a finish line that will lead you heavenward. To be a mature and equipped disciple of Christ means you're living in that reality. There's no such thing as super-Christians. There's only God's people. You know, one writer said this, the Gospels are not just the ABCs of the Christian faith, it's the A to Z. It's everything. Then, Paul talks about, um, in verse 15, this idea of running this race, that this is what it means to be mature. And he says, all of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. What does it mean to be a mature follower of Jesus? What's like the most important thing? Paul's just said it, to be on this journey of faith. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. But then he notes this. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. See, the thing is, anytime people are together, disagreements are going to happen, right? Uh, there's something we don't really uh, ever disagree on. It's who Jesus is because God tells us who he is. But Paul's even acknowledging there will be things we disagree on. Have you experienced that? You know, in this church, there are people in, with lots of different opinions about lots of different things, whether it's politics or how you raise your kids or your view on fill in the blank. But what is the thing that we are absolutely centered on, that we are bounded by? This is it. We press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's two good things about what Paul, or two things to think about when Paul says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. It means when you find yourself in a disagreement, don't be surprised if there's things that you can't resolve today with people. Don't be surprised if there's things that happen that are difficult to sort of resolve this month or this year or maybe in this life. But be certain of this. One day, God will make it clear. God will do that. So what do we do in this dissonance even when we disagree with each other? And it can't be resolved today or this week or next month or this year. We press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That means that who Jesus is and what he has said is absolutely central to us. It's the most important thing. That growing in our knowledge of who God is is going to be a process and we shouldn't be surprised by it. We also shouldn't be surprised if we disagree on things and sometimes it means entrusting each other to the God who will one day make things clear to us. Growing in Christ is a process. Becoming a mature and equipped disciple is a process. Let me give you a couple ideas what to think about. If you, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, here's some things to consider. The first is, what do you really believe have you arrived? Do you really believe God loves you? Do you really believe that He offers you grace in Jesus Christ? Do you really believe you're worthy to be loved? The Scriptures say everyone's created in God's image. Everyone's worthy to be loved. And God shows that by sending His Son. In John 3, 16 and 17, we read that God sent his son into the world to save the whole world, not to condemn it. So first, have you arrived? Secondly, are you availing yourself to the things that God has given you to refresh your soul? What are those things? Reading the scriptures, the community of faith. Um, you know, last week at VBS, it was so much fun because kids would leave and they would say, I can't wait to come back until tomorrow. I had parents and grandparents texting me and calling me saying how much fun their kids had at VBS. Look, Pastor Kyle's an amazing guy. He did an incredible job with VBS. We had tons of volunteers who were here to support and help 
But I promise you, he would not want to do that alone. He couldn't do it alone, not safely, anyway. God's inviting us to experience a community that says we're not centered on anything other than this, who Jesus is, and running this race and following him. We can talk about other things. We can have disagreements. But here's the most important thing. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of, such a view of things. Verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. What have we attained? Well, Paul's been going on and on about it in Philippians. But he says in uh, verse 10 that the thing he wants to attain is to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. That would be my encouragement for you. As you think about if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, have I arrived? Do I, do I believe that God loves me? Do I believe God's grace is sufficient for me? And then secondly, am I availing myself to the different means God has given to nourish my soul, like this process of sanctification, taking hold of God's promises in the midst of failure, not being defined by them, but moving toward what he's promised, that he's going to complete the good work he said he would complete in me, like he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and following. God is inviting you into experiencing growth in your knowledge of Jesus because that's where thriving is found and life is found. Now, arriving sounds impossible, I understand that. Um, because when we think about arriving, we think of like perfection, but this is what's wild. This is what seems impossible. God actually one day, as we trust in him, when Jesus returns, is going to perfect us. He's going to bring that work to completion. May his grace continue to give us hope to believe in that. God's love is forever. His reign over us is forever. His spirit's work in us is forever. Last, you, you heard the songs this morning, but I just want to read one of these songs to you just because you might have missed it because the kids were so cute. Maybe you didn't hear all the words. If you're a parent, you might have these words memorized by now. But in that song, he's done marvelous things. We read about kind of the spirit of who Jesus is, the nature of who he is, the things that he did that the Gospels tell us about. We've seen him feed the hungry. We've watched him calm the seas. We've heard of his great healings and set him captives free. We know he helps the weary and comforts those in need. And as we learn to follow him, we'll start to truly see that he has marvelous, marvelous, marvelous things for us. May God give us grace to trust him that this race that he's calling us to run leads us to marvelous things. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your promises to us. Thank you for the clarity that you give to us. That you have accomplished all things for us. That by putting our faith in you and believing in what you said, and by putting our faith in you, that we are worthy to be loved because of what you've done. That we arrive onto this race where we follow after you. Would you give us grace to forget what's behind, that those things don't define us? to strain towards the promise of a prize of a relationship with you that we taste now. Lord, we entrust ourselves to you and ask for your spirit to work to enable us to be mature and equipped followers of our Savior. In his name we pray, amen.